Each episode of Education with an Edge is meant to create, cultivate, and inspire honest discussion about issues affecting youth. Hosted by author, artist, educator, advocate, and speaker, Jaquel Lane. Hello and welcome. This is Jaquel Lane and Education with an Edge podcast. And we are here with Rebecca Fendrick. Remember that Education with an Edge is about all things to deal with our youth because every child matters and they are our future. Welcome, Rebecca. How are you? I am great. Well, I actually am so very grateful to have uh, Rebecca in the studio with us today because her and I actually teach at the same school and I have such an admiration for you and how you work with your students. And I often just think that teachers are not celebrated. So we're here to celebrate you, but also to be uh, informational to our audience about uh, just some of the things that you you went through in choosing your career and and your path to education. So can you just take a moment and and tell us, um, you know, how was was teaching your first career choice? And if not, what did you do before that? Okay. Well, I've worked for Omaha Public Schools since 2007, and I spent some years also teaching in private schools. But as you know, teaching is actually a second career for me. My first career was in print journalism, most recently as a news correspondent and lifestyle columnist for the Columbus Telegram in Columbus, Nebraska. I wanted to be a teacher, though, because I always found myself either teaching my own children and their friends or even mentoring newspaper interns. I think that that's so interesting um, because a lot of people think that maybe just that regular path of, okay, I go, I've always wanted to be a teacher. You know, maybe you, a lot of, at least my girlfriends were like, oh, we used to set up our dolls and like a classroom. And that was not my journey either. So to learn that about you is, is so interesting. And then, um, you know, how, one of the things I really respect about you, uh, Rebecca, is that you have really taken charge of technology in your classroom and especially in this season that we're in right now where some of us are scrambling as teachers and also bosses and just the regular working individual to figure out, you know, what is a Zoom meeting? How does this work during this COVID era? era? But you've really implemented um, technology in your classroom from the beginning. And so what would you say, uh, how has technology impacted you in your classroom? Well, it's certainly become more important in recent years since it's no longer optional. Computer science is just part of everything, everywhere. And uh, even from the watch I'm wearing to the digital technology in my car, uh, I went to the dentist recently, they had digital x-rays to give the dentist quick results. And uh, my appointment was scheduled online. We have growing fields like robotics and artificial intelligence that are going to impact all of our lives in the future, too. I love that. And you make such such valid points. And because you are so passionate about technology, um, I would love for you to talk and tell our audience a little bit how you incorporate technology into your classroom and what different projects your students have worked on. Okay. I spent two summers at the University of Nebraska at Omaha with other teachers from our area at the College of Information Science and Technology so I could learn more about this. And we visited several local businesses, both 
smaller and large businesses to talk to people who actually worked in technology. And, you know, many of them had job titles that were completely new to me, such as Scrum Master and UX Designer and things I'd not heard of. And I realized that I needed to do more than simply help the students use software or do internet research. Both of those things are certainly important. But I also began to consider ways to help students create their own digital artifacts to show what they know and apply what they've learned. And so I began to introduce students to AppLab on Code.org. And at the end of a unit that I've taught in language arts, they learn to program simple games on various themes that they can share with their peers. And these projects are already differentiated because the beginners learn to use block coding and the students with programming experience can use the regular text-based JavaScript. And it's very rewarding to see the joy and the sense of accomplishment that students feel when they finish a personalized product that they can share on any device. I think that that's so phenomenal. And you actually invited, I was one of the classes that got to Mm -hmm. come and, and my kids got to play the game. And you don't usually think about, or you don't usually correlate coding with English, but you made it so so I mean, real and so applicable to to the subject matter. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So, um, how do you think that education will change with technological advances? Well, it resonated with me back when former President Obama once told young people, "Don't just play on your phone; program it." <laughs> I love that. And the idea is that students have to do more than simply sit as consumers of technology. And we need to help students understand that no matter what career they decide to pursue, they're probably going to need some ability to write computer software, at least a little bit. And I think it's especially important to begin encouraging girls and students of color to consider high-paying careers in computer science where their points of view are in demand. Research supports the need to plant the seed in middle school if we want to see more diversity in computer science fields. I love that you brought that up, and I also love how passionate you are um, about female in technology and science and math, because we do see a decline in girls' interest, um, and it's usually middle school, right? And so just Mm -hmm. kind of having someone like you that's at the forefront, that's so passionate, and that's telling these young ladies, I know I, for one, um, struggled with math, and I'm very very honest about it, and so if I would have had kind of a cheerleader like you that that was telling me that I could have done it... Um, I, I probably would be a lot better. Um, how, how has your teaching child style changed since COVID? And I have to brag on you a little bit because Becky and I do, uh, I'm so privileged to work with her at the same school with an OPS, but she really took this, like you really took this seriously. And instead of kind of, you know, like some of the rest of us who were maybe a little more frightened or whatever you created, I mean, curriculum for us and, and this, this whole different thing. So how has your teaching style changed since COVID-19 began? Well, I'm still learning to shift to paperless teaching, which is significant because we teach reading and writing. But I've also been learning to use a whole new method to deliver my instruction digitally. It's a paradigm shift from my traditional life teaching to learn how to deliver it with teams. And I've already used many digital resources, as you said, 
I had students submitting writing assignments online, and then they got their feedback from me via email. But I've also had to learn to do video instruction and more uh, start running virtual class meetings, too. And you also, um, just to talk a little bit about it, I am so very proud of you because you were featured on NSEA. You taught uh, video classes. I mean, you actually taught a lesson. I did three of them. So I did one on uh, visual literacy and one on Fibonacci poetry, which incorporates um, the sequences that are important in computer science. And I also did another one, too. Yeah, I was so, I actually had the opportunity to watch those. So thank you for for, uh, helping the rest of us kind of navigate through this time as well. Um, How do you teach your students to have good digital citizenship and why is that important? Well, one important resource for me is common sense media. I can trust the information and the lessons that I find on it. It's a nonprofit site. I always did teach digital citizenship, but it's more important than ever to help the students distinguish between fake news and credible sources. So I make sure I point out examples of each of these and I explain specific ways students can determine whether or not a website is credible. They need to understand who is considered an expert and what's objective and what's accurate reporting. What does that look like? And that's so at the heart of what just our country and everything is is going through right now is to always teach our students to to think for themselves. And so um, I think that what you're doing is so very important, especially at a time like this in our country. Um, What can parents do to enforce positive digital citizenship and anti-cyberbullying? Well, I think it's just important to simply be willing to bring it up and talk about it. You have to be interested and involved in whatever your children or even grandchildren are doing online. You, You can't put them in front of a screen and forget about it. You need to have those meaningful conversations about what we and they and others are doing online. I absolutely, that that resonates so much for me because, and that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book From Bully to Bestie is just because it's just, it's, it surrounds them wherever they go with where, when you and I even went home from school, maybe something would be said to us that was unkind, but we could get away from it with the internet, they really can never leave. And so um, it's something that I've respected you a lot about of having, you know, those discussions in your classroom with with what is appropriate and how how can we be appropriate and how can we be kind um, over digital media? Because if you say something, it can kind of sometimes come off differently than if you were saying something to someone's face. Um, What is your most enjoyable moment or story from your teaching career? Well, I discovered there's an advantage to being an older teacher because I can relate to students who struggle to learn technology. For example, when a student voices frustration or a lack of confidence when they're coding, I remind them that I'm a grandmother, and if grandma can learn to do it, then they can learn to do it as well. Because PCs, laptops, and even cell phones didn't exist when I was in middle school and high school. So we're all lifelong learners today. I love that. And that's 
an awesome lesson. Um, if you are a student that is listening or a parent or a community member, that it's never too late and that your career path can take several different turns and lead you to something that you're very passionate about. And so thank you for sharing that with me. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a teacher and for teaching our young people because we need more people like you. And this is Jaquel Lane with Education with an Edge. And thank you so much to Rebecca Fendrick for being on our show today. And remember, our children are our future and every child matters. Have a great day. If you have a question or just want to learn more, go to JaquelLane.com. Thanks for listening to Education with an Edge. A Parkville Media Production.